There's no earthly way of knowing which direction we are going. There's no earthly way of knowing which direction we are going. Okay, so I actually wanted to play that clip from the tunnel scene in Willy Wonka that has traumatized generations of children throughout history, myself included, but you know, copyrights and also better safe than sorry. But my point is I couldn't think of a better way to introduce today's show. In fact, it's more than a mere show, a mere episode. We are making misfit history, even as we speak with a first ever Isle of Misfits series all about the madness that's out there. Now you understand the Willy Wonka reference. My name, by the way, is Nancy Carmichael. I am your humble misfit host. And in case you've been madnessed to death, hold on, hold on, I get it, I get it. But we've got some hope in the madness for you today, my misfit friends. In fact, we're calling this whole series Hope in the madness. And over the next four episodes, we're going to talk about four different ways of approaching this madness, uh, whether it's craziness, whether it's angriness, whether it's sadness, or whether it's weakness. We've got hope to address all those things. And it gets even better because I have got an in-studio guest, another Misfit First history in the making right here in the studio. He is here to talk hope with me. His name is Robert Red, or if you're really nice, I hear you can call him Bob. Um, he's got one of those impressive resumes as a, a chemist, an MBA, an entrepreneur, an all-around smart guy. And um, although he'd probably humbly disagree, something of a biblical scholar. So with all that, the fact that he's here today talking to me is something I still can't figure out, but we'll just go with it. And welcome you, Bob Red, to the Isle of Misfits. Well, thanks, Nancy. I'm very happy to be here. And uh, yeah, this is exciting. So I am thrilled. And I, I heard that um, your mom calls you Bobby, um, yes. right? Right. Okay. But we'll, we'll call you Bob. Then we'll, yes. res we'll reserve that for mom. She's got rights. Yeah. Mom always has rights. Yes. Mom has the dibs on the name. She named you after all. So Call me what you like. Okay, and yes, every mom's prerogative. So uh, we're here with you today. I'm so excited to hear what you have to say because I know you're a very deep thinker, um, and these are some deep thoughts. Yeah, they are that we've uh, got going. Yeah, we're we're being confronted with them and uh, uh, challenged by them uh, each and every day. So let's take them on. But before we do, I got to tell you, you signed up. You knew what you were signing up for. You knew. That the, one of the first things we're going to do, we have to do it. It's sort of a tradition here is to play a stupid game. Okay. All right. He's up for the stupid game. So I'm going to make this one really, really super easy. This one has no right and no wrong answer. Um, I know you to be something of a music aficionado. I like music. He likes music. So I'm just going to ask you, of, and I, I know it's pulling it out of the air because there's thousands of songs in your musical repertoire. What's your favorite song you like to listen to? What's your go-to? Yeah, it's uh, Spiral by the Crusaders. Spiral by the Crusaders. Yeah, it makes it special. Crusaders um, came into being in the uh, early 60s, and uh, they're from the 
first ward of Houston. So not Spirogyra, that's different. No, that's very different. Very different, very good, okay. And another very good band from Buffalo, actually. Of course, and you would know that because you're a music aficionado. Yeah, but the, uh, the Crusaders they were, came into being as the Jazz Crusaders, so they dropped jazz somewhere along the way. And um, very, very uh, great group, uh, first ward of Houston. Um, musicians, very interesting sound because they had a, uh, a saxophonist they had a trombonist, and I love trombone, a uh, bass player, uh, drummer, and uh, piano player, keyboard player from uh, the neighborhood, the hood, as it were. And Spiral's a special song because it's incredibly uplifting, and it's one of those classic jazz tunes where each of the musicians takes their turn and uh, so ah, jams yeah. yeah nice 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 okay so all right so now i gotta ask you like who's um you know back remember when there used to be live music remember that those days uh you got a favorite buffalo local band you like to go to if they're playing uh, actually, uh, I might have said Spiro Gyro, but because we brought you them did. up, you, I have a different one called the Great Train Robbery. Uh, Great Train Robbery. Um, interesting story, and, and I'm probably full of too many of them. But anyway. Um, oh, no, that's what we're here for. We're here for the stories. I came from uh, Denver to Buffalo, and I'm not from Denver. I'm originally from the Maryland, Washington, D.C. area, but... Uh, I was uh, just getting to know the uh, area of Buffalo and, and the city when I came into being and or came into town and uh, went to, I don't think it's even a, open anymore, it's called the Central Park Grill. And uh, it was around Christmas time and I walked in to have uh, uh, something to eat and a, and a beer and uh, all of a sudden I'm done with uh, dinner and there's this band forming on the stage and the the... Uh, joint was packed as it were and um, it was a band that had come back from Boston and uh, they were a local Buffalo band and um, uh, they played that night apparently it was recorded and uh, I have the CD of the recording and it's uh, you ever get a chance to listen to it again very vibrant uh, good vocals saxophonist uh, keyboard and guitars and uh, uh, a lot of energy in the band. Uh, they went to Buffalo to find themselves, and uh, I really thought they were going to make it as uh, a la Google Dolls or uh, or uh, Spyro Gyra, but uh, didn't quite get to the popularity that those other two bands did. So the great crane, train, not crane, <laughs> the great train wreck. Robbery. Robbery. See, I just Please screwed it up, but yeah. Do great, it one more time. Great train robbery. Yes, as opposed to the great crane wreck yeah okay so now now you know people so you've got your recommendation get out there free publicity right yeah, here great, right great now. obscure brand but uh, you wouldn't be disappointed if you find their cds nice so as stupid games go actually this was probably one of more, my more cerebral ones so thank you for classing this this join up yeah, know the man love the man all right <laughs> and as well we all do and you already got your misfit mug so you know if i had another one i'd give it to you but well, my wife has the other one. We could have uh, could have had uh, his and hers. His and hers. That might be the next thing. So we're we're just we're upping our game left and right here, friends. So I like towels. That's right. Oh, there's a whole line of misfit merch that's yet to be. So you you heard it here first. It was birthed here. Hey, great job on the not so stupid game. And now we're ready to actually talk about something of substance. Yeah. 
So, in fact, let's um, let's let's not even do it. Let's let's talk some crazy talk because I think that's what we're here to talk about today. The the craziness of what's happening in the world. So, what's yeah, what's crazy in your world right now? Yeah, well, I think um, a lot really, um, and maybe if I can define it uh, for a quick second, that um, uh, you know, to yeah, me it's good. Always good to start there. The reality that. Uh, social norms have been turned on their head. And uh, uh, so uh, we see a lot of that today, that, uh, they're, that we're, we're called to accept things we maybe um, don't want to, or perhaps um, we wouldn't have in days past. And uh, we're being challenged on the things that we do accept and the things that uh, we do consider uh, non-crazy non-crazy so what is non-crazy really well you know it's interesting i i think um each generation um kind of comes into the world and uh, we're shaped by our parents and we're shaped by the uh the quote-unquote norms of the day and certainly uh, uh as a, a baby boomer that that was uh my situation, and I think that's every generation's situation. And when we came into uh, uh, our own, as it were, um, we questioned everything about our parents' norm and norms. I question authority. I heard about that. Oh, we were good at it, weren't we? And aren't we? And um, and and so each generation uh, has that, as if you will. Um, whether it's really a mantra or whether it's purposeful or not, I think uh, we as generations, um, one way purposeful or not, come to our own sense of, uh, if you will, challenge to the norms of the earlier generation or generations, and uh, we want to shape our own. Indeed we do. And the questions... The questions are good, right? It's good to question things, right? Yeah, because that's how we learn. We ask questions, we get answers. That's right. That's the whole point of a conversation. It's questions and answers. And yet, um, what are the questions that we're asking? I think that might have something to do with whether we end up uh, in this thing called truth that fewer and fewer people seem to agree on these days, or if we end up in crazy town, which again... Crazy town is in the you know in in the eye of the beholder in many ways. Well, it is. I think you bring up a really great point about um, this whole concept of um, relativism, right? And right. so all of a sudden, um, we're we're uh, we have no foundation, we have no base, because everything is really according to. Uh, an opinion, and that opinion can be my opinion versus your opinion, or it could be the opinion of a massive number of people on social media versus uh, an individual at the coffee shop that might have a completely different opinion. And so um, this truth that we so anxiously want to seek ends up becoming very relative, and if it's relative, it becomes more of a popularity contest. Right. And relative truth, you know, so again, there's a certain sense where we can agree, yes, truth has become relative. That statement in and of itself doesn't seem to be contentious. And yet it's when once we go beyond that. So 
your your truth, your relative truth versus my relative truth. I mean, that's become a thing today. Um, speak your truth, Bob Red, and I'll speak my truth. And th- that sounds very affirming. It sounds very empowering, right? Because you get to speak your mind. You get to share your opinions. You get to have a voice. And those are, that's all, that's good. That's good stuff. Well, that is good stuff. And it sounds great. And it is great in the right kind of context. What happens, though, is it tends to, to if, you, if you will, uh, trickle into a sense of, well, is that what most of us think? And our back to relativism, if most of us think that, then that's not crazy. And if you think otherwise, well, you're the crazy person in the room. So sorry to say. So, yeah, which is interesting because we are so individualistic now. We have just elevated autonomy, uh, my right, my right to my voice. And again, this it's it's very challenging, I think, to put a blanket statement on all of this because there's there's always some truth that you can pull out. Absolutely. Right. Um, and so, I think it requires a little bit of nuanced thinking rather than just caricaturizing or stereotyping, which we tend to do because it's easier. But I, I want to try to dissect what you just said. So the majority. So if the majority of people think something traditionally in your upbringing in my upbringing um you know there's a few years between us but not that many that the world changed that much from the time you were born to when i was born we could count on the fact that if the majority of people think something there's something called collective wisdom so they're probably right we could always count on that and yet i'm not so sure we can count on that anymore just because most people think something so, as you said, so if I think something, but the majority of everybody thinks something else, well, I guess I'm the crazy one, or vice versa. If you're not going with the flow, you're not with the program, you're the crazy one. That's right. I mean, in, in, in the days of yore, as you point out, that um, it was well-established for us, whether we particularly liked it or not, because we were a challenging generation, that these were the norms. And if you were outside of that, um, then you are an oddball. And uh, the good news about today's world is that um, being not necessarily, what well, in finger quotes, normal, is not a bad thing. I think of things like Down syndrome or something of that nature where in our generation they were kind of castigated to uh, their own little society and, and raised uh, separately from the rest of the world. Um, that's just the way it was. It was a good, it was bad, don't, don't really have an opinion myself. Um, but today, um, that sort of thing, um, people are, they're treated as human beings and they're not set aside. They're, they're really uh, uh, embraced to be a part of society. And, and those are the kind of beautiful things. Right. What is interesting though is today, what has happened is it is, a, 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 if you will, a minority or outlier point of view that if it is accepted through uh, the the masses, which we can point to uh, media, social media, whatever, um, that that all of a sudden in and of itself becomes um, what is normative, what is truth. 
and um, it's more or less based on a relativistic view of, uh, well, if this many people believe it or this many people support it, it must be true. Right, because how could that many people possibly be wrong about something? That's never happened in history. We never saw that happen in the 20th century with 100 million people murdered at the hands of people like Mao or Stalin or Hitler. So, yeah, so there you go with that thinking. So this whole idea of, I I love how you put it, you know, the affirmation of humanity is a beautiful thing. Everybody matters. Everybody matters. Yes, thank goodness. I'll even go so far as to say thank God, and I know you agree with me on that. Amen. Um, But I think somewhere we've confused the affirmation of all humanity with the affirmation of all worldviews. Yeah, we have. So, you know, in, in it, in, in the in looking back, if you will, uh, society determined really what was an outlier versus uh, what wasn't. And society was a, a group of people, whether it was a, uh, a world, a nation, uh, a neighborhood, or uh, a collection of, of people understood this is sort of the way uh, we live and we do things. And again, I'm not trying to draw a distinction whether that was good or that was bad. That was just what was. Today, with the advent of media and social media, you have um, a situation where this mass community of acceptance on something um, is measured in a very different way. It's not measured in uh, the people we live around per se. It's measured in hits or it's measured in a number of uh, likes or what have you, and the the only problem with that kind of measurement is it's devoid of any background understanding of was that curiosity seeker or was that someone who truly, truly, uh, deep down, fundamentally, fundamentally believes um, in the thing that they're viewing or in the thing that they're liking. Hmm. Right. So I'm thinking. As you began to talk, so we used to be able to depend on society to steer us and guide us. That was our fallback, right? right. Um, you know, the that whole idea of it takes a village came from somewhere, you know, because in the village, you yeah, you had people that would back you up, like-minded. There was, you know, shared values. Looked after each other. Right. So so I'm thinking, well, what's changed? We still have society. And why why does that not seem to be that um, safety net for us that, that it historically always has been? And you mentioned one of the big things is social media, which I think on his face, well, what's wrong with that? It's just a bunch of people sharing their opinions, right? Sharing their truth, and that's a good thing. Well, it is It is, and it isn't, because if you will, it's still community, isn't it? But it's a community at a distance. And so uh, the thing that we used to rely on is the community, as you mentioned earlier, the neighborhood, the uh, the city, the state, whatever it was, the country. Um, now this community is really an unseen uh, group amalgamation of people. And in many cases, some of those are real people and some of those are bots or some of those are other kinds of manifestations. And so what we see is not the living out of uh, a normative uh, situation, but what we see is a, if you will, a shaping of uh, a particular worldview or uh, point of view. And by the sheer numbers, well, look, we have this many hits or likes, 
suggest a, a total level of acceptance without really going beyond the surface and drilling down and saying, well, are, again, are they curiosity seekers who are saying, well, you know, uh, let, me, let me see what this is about. And if they check it out, think, well, this is nonsense. But you don't get that data feedback that many of them may think it's nonsense. Yeah. And I think on that note, we, as you just pointed out, curious, you know, curiosity seekers, oh, that's interesting. Let me look into this. I, I think our our natural tendency, partially because we're inundated with so much information, there just isn't time to really dive deep into anything, or so it seems anymore. So one thing we don't necessarily do is to ask the question, well, where is this taking us? Right. You know, um, you, you mentioned uh, getting hits and getting likes, and that's the whole nature of social media. It's all about getting that really uh, social psychologists or social scientists have, have uh, determined that there's a dopamine release, right? You get a like, and right. it's, it's the same kind of serotonin dopamine that, you know, when you, I don't know if coffee is involved, but, you know, you, you know when you drink a, a sip of coffee or you even take some drugs, it's that, it's that serotonin release that, that brings pleasure to your brain. So we, we crave that. Um, being liked, having people agree with you, or on the opposite end, liking something because it resonates with you is not the same as asking, does it work? Right. Where is this taking us? Right, and, and I think that's really an important point, important distinction, because um, here we're talking about surface things. We're talking about in the society we have today, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody, that I only have so much time, and I'm bombarded by information. And so um, I scan things far more than I used to read them. Um, I make a quick judgment of, whether what's coming across my screen uh, is something that engages me or not. And um, all to say that um, I'm led from a, a surface perspective to reject or accept something. And, um, and that's really where we get to when we go back to crazy. And why are we seeing things that were in our upbringing normative now being challenged and the things that we would uh, normally say is crazy, why is it that these things are being treated as normal? Um, it's because when I sit down and talk with people, you might argue like-minded people, but I would say people in a coffee shop have a lot of different views. Right. Um, when you have a word with them at any length, uh, you find out that what is uh, supposed to be something we're ex to accept that people of many walks in life are starting to say, you know, why is it that I think it's crazy? And it's only after you get into a, a, a second level or a deeper conversation um, that you find more like-mindedness and you can kind of understand Am I the only one crazy, or is this something that maybe yeah, is it just me? Traction? Right, right. And you're what you said a second ago about you know we're scanning versus understanding. I think yeah, yeah that's oh, there's like there's a meme right there. Somebody tweet that right away because yeah, we're we're not taking the time, and it does take time. It takes some discipline 
to really try to understand something. It does. And if we start to say to ourselves now, with all this craziness, we're supposed to accept things that we wouldn't have in the past normally accepted. And the things that we accept as not crazy that are being called out as craziness or abnormal or it's really a closed-mindedness um, is, is challenging our thinking and is challenging the way in which um, we're to think and, and beginning to question what our foundation is. And I think it comes back to that, um, that we need to get back to our foundation. And a part of that foundation is getting away from if you will, society at the click of a mouse or at the touch of a screen and getting back to a society that uh, builds relationship, which can go to that second and deeper level. Yeah, and that sounds wonderful. It almost, this is going to sound sort of defeatist, um, but I'm going to go there because somebody out there is thinking this. Have we gone too far? Can we go back? Is, Is it even possible? Have we gone over the cliff? Because again the crazy is i mean i think we've always used that word and it's almost too bad because once you've used a word you know you you it's like word fatigue we're hearing words like crazy we're hearing words like normal the new normal like we're just hearing them so much they've almost lost their meaning right um and and yet i know you and i are on the same page and i think we're we're about to transition another overused word in this day and age, um, into the fact that, no, it is not too late, but we have to face the problem. We have to, we have to address what's, what's in the room. And clearly crazy is in the room. Even though we can't, we, we can agree on crazy. We don't necessarily agree what crazy constitutes, right? right. In fact, because right up till now, we, we've been pretty nebulous and somewhat intentionally so because crazy is in the eye of the beholder especially right now at this point in, in our history. Um, but also, you know, it's just, it's almost too difficult to pull out even even examples because they're changing like every day with the news cycle. It's just what's crazy today. It's not that it's not crazy tomorrow, but it's, we've got new crazy things to think about. So like, for example, like in the last 24, 48 hours, the, uh, the I think the top crazy story, at least in, in my uh, ledger is, uh, the the rapper guy whose name I escapes me my daughter knows um, who came up with a you know a shoe that he designed sneaker dedicated to Satan with a real drop of human blood in each pair just to you know put it over the edge uh, another selling point so I think most people probably see that as crazy maybe it's maybe it's a publicity stunt but whatever it is it's it's crazy because it's not a Babylon Bee. It's not satire. That's, it's a real thing happening right now. Yeah, and what's interesting about that is the fact that um, when you mention Satan, um, it has a connotation of, um, if you will, spirituality. Right. And I'd argue, um, you know, different uh, people who have a spiritual uh, viewpoint might see it differently than others, um, but it's an element of spirituality. And so you might have those who are, uh, if you will, agnostic or atheist would say, well, there is no God, there is no atheist, there is no Satan. Uh, and so ideally you would expect them to reject such a thing and be appalled by it. And, and yet um, probably the reaction is, well, it's art. 
in the same way, you have other people who uh, maybe have a, a deeper religious uh, sensibility, if you will, or worldview, I guess is the way I'd put it, that would see that as highly offensive and not see it at all as art. And yet, uh, if the majority clicks or likes have said, well, this is art, this is really interesting, uh, I don't see it as uh, a, a spiritual uh, connotation at all. And then uh, someone says, well, you know, this really offends me. Uh, in today's world, um, that may not uh, register uh, with the masses, if you will, because so many people have clicked on it or, or liked it and shown acceptance. And uh, the thought is the person is saying, hey, this offends me. They're, they're like, well, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, crazy and offensive kind of go hand in hand, right? They, they do. Right, because if if I'm offended, then clearly it's because that's crazy. No thinking, normal, rational person would think that. So you're crazy. Right, and if you now take that very same sneaker and you have on it, uh, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, now you would have actually many atheists and agnostics probably be offended because of its religious or spiritual connotation. And you might really have a lot of the masses um, dislike it or not really, uh, or have negative comments on social media to say that uh, someone's a holy roller or there's something else. And uh, so here you have the same example, um, slightly different in terms of um, the naming of the person, or in this case, uh, the deity, and um, it would get two very different reactions. And the one making the post with the sneakers with the name of Jesus on it is crazy. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. In fact, okay, so you can't see this at home, but I'm showing Bob a meme a friend of mine sent that Chick fil A. This is somebody came out with a response. This is this is satire, by the way, but uh, so it the, is John yes, yes, the, the Chick Fil A sneaker that God um, so loved the world that he gave his only <laughs> yes. begotten son, so that all who believe in him will have eternal life. The response, yes, and each pair comes with a drop of Chick Fil A sauce, I suppose. But but yeah, but your point is well taken. That um, you know, it's, hey, something's going to offend everybody, right? And this this is another huge part of our conversation and, and the woke culture. I think that was the first time we've used the word woke, which I can't believe we've gotten this far into the conversation without that word, because that's that is the the um the mother of all talk of offense. Yeah. yeah, the mother of the movement is it's all whatever is offensive is crazy and vice versa because um of the wokeness of and our it, culture. And, and it begs the question yeah. well why are we here? How, how did we get here? Um, why is it in our example that um, the the very same sneakers with two very different, uh, with very same, um, if you will, broadcast of spirituality, draws exact opposite and uh, you could argue um, uh, strong opinions and in today's society one is found to be completely acceptable it's art and the other is uh, considered to be fanaticism if you will religious fanaticism is is my example yeah well how, how did we get here why is it that we can't view with the same lens how both are expressions 
and that if one offends why doesn't both of them offend or if one doesn't offend why does the other necessarily have to offend right and if both are offensive which they both are depending on who you are which which group prevails in in terms of canceling the other or should we cancel the other out but that's a whole other conversation i think maybe for another podcast so Let's go there. Let's go. We've already, okay, so Chick-fil-A, it's their fault. They brought it up. Scripture has been introduced to this conversation. Let's go there because, I don't know, I think Jesus and a lot of the things that he said were considered pretty crazy, not just today, but in his time. So let's, let's go there. Antithetical, I would say. Antithetical, yeah. One man's crazy is another man's antithetical. And, of course, we're we're talking about perspective. So, why did why did what he? Well, Jesus. Yeah. Jesus, what, yeah. Jesus was Jesus' time here on this earth um, really pointed to uh, challenging the norms. Back to what we were saying, and so the religiosity of the day, obviously in Palestine, was through the, uh, Judaism, which. Uh, uh, our brothers and sisters, in my view. Um, but this was a kind of um, hijacked uh, Judaism and a hijacked sense of uh, ritualism. And uh, it was focused on um, who was in and who was out. And we, we, in some ways, see that in today's society. You're in or you're out in many ways. And so... What Jesus really did is he brought things back to uh, fundamental uh, basis. And so, you you know, if someone said something bad about you, you turned the other cheek. You didn't chastise them. You didn't, uh, um, if you will, uh, cause them to be ostracized. Uh, if someone had a point of view, what Jesus did in most of the cases, he'd ask them a question. Why do you think that way? Why? Yep, there's that why question again. Right? And so um, I think that gets to where we are today. And uh, back to my comment about being on the surface, we don't get to ask the question why. When we see these clicks, we assume that they're affirmations, either negatively or positively. But no one asks why were you clicking? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why is a really important question that I, I don't think we ask enough. Every three-year-old knows enough to ask why. And somewhere along the line, we, we kind of forget that. And we, well, you know what? There's people that are smarter out there. So let them do our thinking for us. Let them tell us what to think. Yeah, that's right. And uh, that at that particular point um, should give us all pause. It should. And and. Uh, to be honest, I don't think we consciously think that. Everybody likes to think, no, I'm my own person. I have my own opinions. I have, you know, I, I have my truth. And yes, but if I was to ask you or maybe to turn it around, if someone was to ask me, well, why do you think that? That's not as easy to articulate, you know, because we're not used to that. It's like, well, because I do, because it's what I think. And it kind of begins and ends there, right? It's It's... We don't need to explain ourselves because you're not inside of me, so you don't know what it's like to be me. So I have the right to think what I think, even though I may not be able to articulate it. And we don't, 
we don't push. It's, it's like on one hand, we want to be civil, even though we've lost so I, we've lost a lot of civility in our discourse. And I think maybe part of the reason is that we're not asking why. Yeah, and we're, we're not only are we not asking why, we're not being asked why. Back to yes. your point. Yes, yep. And in many cases, because we're not being asked why, we haven't really thought through the answer. And uh, in other cases, which is the other alternative example, is um, we don't want to say why. And we don't want to say why because people are going to think I'm crazy. Because if I tell you why I think that I, oh, the way I do, you're going to say you're different. Right. And if you're, and you're different, not. you're crazy. That's right. That's right. You you got to get with the program. Hey, you you gotta you got. If you want to be an influencer, you got to know how to get the likes. You got to know how to how to get that audience out there that that wants what you have to say. Um, don't challenge the norm, right? So, I know, I already you know I, I kind of alluded to the fact that we're sick of the word normal, and yet it's it's kind of out there. In our discourse, everybody's thinking about it, right? We're longing for normal days. And I saw a piece actually in a local local news site saying, no, I don't want normal. I want better than normal. And so, all right, we can have all those discussions. But um, another thing I think we've confused, whereas we've confused... Um, you know, scanning versus understanding, right? So I have this wide breadth of knowledge, but I really don't understand it. I think we've also confused what is normative with what is true. Yes. So bringing it back to Jesus, so I think one of the reasons that so much of what he talked about in his day and even now was deemed as crazy was because he was challenging the norms. Yes. Right? Going for truth. Yeah. And we don't like that because it's definitive. That's right. And, you know, the number one thing that Jesus taught was for us to look within ourselves. And uh, if we look within ourselves, uh, if we're really honest with ourselves, um, there's a lot to us that could be um, better. And there's a lot that we could change. And when we want to look outside and say, well, there's something wrong with you or that person's stupid. Um, really, that's, uh, that's a way where it allows us to not ask the question ourselves, why? Why do we think that way? Um, should we think that way? And uh, who are we to think that way? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. How can we be better? And so let me be clear, um, Jesus wasn't just a good guy who walks on the earth. People have to know my point of view that he is my Lord and Savior. Um, and that uh, with it, uh, everything that Jesus was teaching was to look within, to look at who we are and to understand that we can't really um, be fully who we are in this state of selfishness, in this state of um, uh, who we are as, as a human being, that there's more to the picture than um, uh, being Bob Red, for example. Right. So and when, we, when we talk about Jesus, we talk about hope. And in this world today, I get a lot of people calling me up and friends and so forth and saying, hey, you know, Bobby, okay, that's a close friend on occasion, or Bob, 
um, help me make sense of this. And from my worldview, which is a Judeo-Christian worldview, um, the way to make sense of it is that we have to look within and we have to also reach out and it's about relationship. What we've been talking about up to this point is craziness at the click of a mouse and a touch of a screen. But really, what it suggests is a lack of relationship. And if Jesus was anything, uh, he was about relationship, one relationship that you could have with the true and living God. And once you have relationship, whether it's between you and I, Nancy, or the person in the coffee shop, I all of a sudden get down below sort of the surface of uh, what people are supposed to think or what people are told to think or pe what people are afraid to say to other people that they think. And you really start to get into a wonderful conversation, human being to human being, person to person, and find that, you know what? We're not so crazy, the two of us after all. Right, we might disagree. Absolutely. Right? And that's another thing. I, you might know this better than me. Was it Cicero who said, you know, I may disagree with what you say, but I'll defend with my life your right to say it. Yes. Right? So, ooh, I got one right. Um, and I think when we get person to person, I don't think we're far from that. I think, you know, like we're right now, we're face to face, right? And that in this day and age, that's maybe not as quote, normal as it was a year or so ago. Um, but it is wonderful. It is because you lose something when you lose the face-to-face, -face, right? We, we have screens in front of us that give us this false sense of anonymity, this false sense of bravery. Like we say things that we would never say right. to someone face-to-face -face, uh, because, you know, we still, thank God, have, have a sense of, of humanity and respecting other people, at least when we're in their presence. So that's a good thing. Um, it yeah. is, and I, and I think that um, we need to get back to that, right? We need to turn away from our screens. How many times, okay, pre-COVID, uh, we'd be at a restaurant and we'd see a couple sitting there on their phones, not having a dialogue, not having a conversation. Right. Or we'd see a couple. Yeah, I've never done that, by the way. No, never. Yeah. Uh, or, or we would just look around the restaurant and everybody would be on their phone. Right. And we would be sitting there saying, no one's talking to each other. And uh, really, that's what we've gotten away from is relationship. Yeah, yeah. And maybe, maybe this is one good thing that has come out of the COVID era, as you say. Um, I, I think there's been a longing for, okay, I've had enough screen time. I want people. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I think, I think because you see, what you've seen is so much isolation. Right, yep. Yep. You know, people have had plenty of time to be with their devices. That's right. That's right. And plenty of time to, you know, sit with her with her own truths. And, um, you know, it doesn't mean that face to face, we're not going to disagree. Um, because we do. But I, I think this this idea of addressing people's humanity, while at the same time saying, Okay, you know, we, I can respect you enough to know that because you disagree with me, I might think you're wrong. I don't think you're evil or crazy. I just think you're wrong. And here's why, because I want to bring this, let's bring it back to Jesus. You know, even Jesus, you know, he, 
he made some pretty extraordinary claims. He said things that challenge the norm uh, just in the way we live, right? Um, if you want to be first, you got to be last, be the servant of all, you know, he who wants to be greatest, um, you know, he who wants to save his life should lose it. So those are pretty crazy statements when you think of, no, it's doggy dog and every man's for himself. So he flipped a lot of the script. Um, but he also said crazy things, crazy in quotes about himself, depending on where you were coming from, right? And, um, you know, Josh McDowell, or maybe was, maybe he quoted C.S. Lewis. One, I'm going to give it to Lewis. You know, he has that famous, um, the three choices about who Jesus was, right? We on, There's only three things. Um, he's either a liar, right? Or is who he said he was. Right. Uh, an evil liar who just knew he was deceiving the masses, or he was crazy because you know i wanted c.s lewis say he likened it to someone saying i'm a poached egg no you're not um so yeah so he's either he's one of those three things he did not shrink away from his claims about himself he owned it and i think you know as as we're talking about this i'm kind of distilling our conversation really what we've been talking about this whole time you've referenced it is worldview right what is our worldview do you know why why do you think what you think it's that simple it is and once we know it then this is the hard part we've got to own it and i think that's where we have trouble it's like well if i really own it then i'm going to be offensive and i i don't want to offend anybody or worse i don't want to be uh, ostracized from society if i really own what i believe that's right and there's an interesting way to measure what we believe and and uh so, you know, you have really three measures for what you believe that you measured against. And the first, first is, um, is it logically consistent? So if I believe what I believe and you believe what you believe, and um, I think I have a right to believe what I believe, but you don't have a right to believe what you believe, that's not logically consistent. Either neither of you have a right to believe what you believe, or you should give the other person the right to believe what they believe in as much as you expect them to believe, allow you to believe what you believe. So that's logical consistency. Right. Another one is empirical accuracy. And empirical accuracy is to say, um, does this make sense? Does it make sense from a statistical standpoint? Is it what I uh, see in the real world, meaning uh, overall, do my observations uh, seem to pan this out? And, um, you know, an example of that is, so um, if, if I uh, believe that, um, that water uh, increases on the beach and decreases on the beach, that um, something's going on there. And uh, come to find out, it's uh, cyclical and it happens uh, every six uh, hours. So it happens twice a day that it's the high tide or low tide. And uh, we have uh, the great benefit of science where someone has figured out, help Newton and, and others, that uh, you know gravity is a real thing and we can't see it. Gravity doesn't define itself, but gravity is an effect we can observe and that's uh, you know, empirical accuracy, that's a real thing. And then the final thing we can use to measure is um, existential relevance. Does this really mean something to me? Is this really helpful to me? And in my example there is, well, if a tree falls in the woods, uh, does it make a sound? Well, if, if I'm in the woods 
and I hear it crack and I'm sort of in the way of it falling, it's very relevant. If it falls in the woods and I'm here sitting with Nancy in her studio, uh, it's not very relevant. I don't really care whether it makes a noise or not. It's kind of a super, superfluous, uh, dumb question. And so as we look at our worldviews, before we want to start questioning other people's worldviews, if we take a look at what we think and why we think it on the basis of is it logically consistent, is it um, uh, empirically accurate, meaning does it add up and, uh, and or uh, is it existentially relevant to my life and the life of the people around me? Uh, I think we'll be a much better uh, society in sort of self-evaluating um, uh, what we believe, why we believe it, and start to question um, folks who say you have to believe it. So, okay, so in summary, see if I can feed this back to you, see how well I understood what you just said. So these three things... Is it always is it always true? Is it imperial like does it work all the time, consistently, regardless of where you are, but also when you are, right? Uh, like as as you said, is it existentially relevant as opposed to relative, right? Because we're all about relativism now. So is it does it work for all people at all times in all places? Yeah, or at least the preponderance of the cases. Right, right. And that I think that's a pretty good litmus test to process, okay, this, this place where I'm going with my thinking, where's it taking me? Where's it taking me? Is it taking me to a place that is, that is true, that is consistent, that is accurate, that is reliable? Or is it taking me to crazy town? So, that's right. Yeah. And so then the question you can ask yourself is, is there hope in this craziness? And the answer is, yeah, I can actually think for myself. I can actually question the people who say you shouldn't be questioning this, but I can also question the folks who aren't really speaking up and saying, well, you know, you're quiet. How come? Well, I don't want to be seen as crazy. Oh, really? Well, why do you think you're going to be seen as crazy? Well, because I'm having a different thought than what I'm told I'm supposed to think. Hmm. And that becomes a warm conversation with a real human being. It sure does. And I think with that, inherent to everything we've, we've, we're talking about is, I almost hate to use this word because it's another overused word, but we need to know that we're safe, right? Yeah, we do. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And even if we disagree, we can still have hope in the fact that we are regarded by our creator as valuable because he gave us value. Amen. He gave us value. Therefore, he's given us this gift to make up our own minds. That's right. And also he's given this gift that says we aren't the judge. That's right. And that takes a lot of pressure off. I think really in some ways we, we don't like it because we, we think we want to be the judge, right? We think we want to, well, that's not right. And I would do things differently. And if I was in, you know, if, if, if I was in control, but that's, it's a lot of pressure, you know, with that job description comes a lot of responsibility it sure does. that we don't want. Well, it's one we, it's, it's the weight off our shoulders. Right. Isn't right. Isn't it? And if we no longer need to be the judge or seek to be the judge, 
we have a lot more time to really listen to our fellow mankind and womankind and brothers and sisters and gives us a chance to really say, well, what does make you tick? Um, boy, you think differently than I do. Uh, let me give you my world, my world view, and let me share with you why I think the way I do. And that gets back to relationship. It sure does, and I, I think that's, that is the basis of all that we speak of in terms of hope. We have hope because you and I, you know, we can say this definitively um, and unapologetically. We have hope in our relationship with the living God, Amen. Jesus Christ. Um, and But that same hope is available for anyone who, who would reach out for it. That's right. And today, if you're not in that place, so there's, there's still hope. We're not saying you're hopeless. But what we are saying, we're, we're doing, we're practicing what we preach. We're owning what we believe. And that's really important in this day and age to own it. So someone's going to disagree and someone might misinterpret and think, well, you're, you just canceled people who don't think it as you think. Well, that's something ultimately we have to take up with Jesus himself because he's the one that made the claims about himself. One of my favorite stories, and there's many in the Bible, was on a cross is two others next to him and both are mocking him. Mm-hmm. And yet one comes to an understanding. This is truly the 11th hour. This might be the 59th minute of the 11th hour. And he turns and chastises his fellow mocker and says, we are getting what we deserve. He is innocent and he doesn't deserve to be here. And he says to Jesus, remember me when you're in your kingdom. And Jesus says to him, Today you'll be with me in paradise. So there's hope for all of us. And God is a patient God, thank goodness. Thank goodness indeed. While there's life, there's hope. Amen. So I think that's a good place to land. Bob, this has been a great conversation. Nancy, I love it. And we're going to have three more. So stay tuned, everyone. There you have it. Part one, done. I hope you found some hope here. See what I did there? But seriously, lots to think about. Maybe even share with a friend or two that could use a little hope in their crazy. And while you're at it, I would love to also invite you to visit me on my very own Isle of Misfits at, get this, isleofmisfits.com. That's I-S-L-E of misfits.com not only catch my podcast but a whole slew of other wonderments to get you through and then you'll be all set for our next conversation with bob red part two of our hope in the madness series next week we're going to tackle hope in the angriness that's right angriness that's the thing so go and get yourself good and angry to prepare no don't do that but do own your awkward Love your fellow misfit and look for beauty and truth in every situation because it's out there. Boy, do we need it right now. 